0: Good evening and welcome to the Perpetual Notion Machine for Thursday, October 5th, 2023. I'm your host, Katherine Garvins. On tonight's show, I'll be speaking with Wisconsin Master Naturalist Tim Hansel about how climate change may impact the way Wisconsin's prairies are managed. But first... With me in the studio is my fellow WORT volunteer, Amy. Amy is pulling a long shift here tonight to help us fundraise for our fall pledge drive. So thanks for being here, Amy.
1: Absolutely. WORT is always worth it. And I am glad to be here supporting the station. I know that folks out there will be excited to support the station as well by calling
0: 608-256-2001 to pledge now. Thanks, Amy. And we do have some really cool thank you gifts um, for you. We'll hear more about that a little bit later. Um, But as Amy said, in the meantime, please call or go online now um, at 256-2001 or www.wrtfm.org. Um, so I'd like to welcome my guest here in the studio this evening. Uh, Tim Hansel is a, has a Ph.D. in Philosophy from UW-Madison and a B.S. in Meteorology from Valparaiso University. He's a volunteer with the Wisconsin Master Naturalist Program and for the Prairie Enthusiasts Empire SOC Chapter. He also works as the education coordinator for Friends of uh, Pheasant Branch Conservancy. Uh, Tim is researching climate change trends in the Midwest and impacts on the management of tallgrass prairie and oak savannah in Wisconsin. Tim, thanks for being here this
2: evening. Hey, thanks for having me. You
0: bet. Um, so first, tell us a little bit about the Wisconsin Master Naturalist Program.
2: Well, the Wisconsin Master Naturalist Program is a program that is managed through uh, UW-Extension. And it is in its tenth year of mm-hmm. existence, it's actually you know fairly young and uh, actually modeled after some other master naturalist programs that have existed in other states. So I think in particular, the Wisconsin model is very similar to the Minnesota model, which uh, was around for much longer, I'm not sure how long. <laughs> but essentially what it does is it trains volunteers to work uh, and talk about, Wisconsin Natural Resources. Mm-hmm. So the 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 model is that there are sort of various organizations throughout the state that will offer these Master Naturalist trainings um, to whomever you know wants to be mm-hmm. a, a Master Naturalist, and it's a it's a forty hour training, mm-hmm. and so you learn a little bit about everything uh, from geology to wildlife management to botany, um, just you know human impacts mm-hmm. of of, of the environment, and the the idea is that it will sort of kind of train people to go out and do some volunteer work uh, in one of three areas, so or or all three areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the the focus is on on stewardship, um, so land restoration or or cleanup or just you know general keeping things nice and pretty. Uh, there's also citizen science, so people who like to monitor birds or frogs and toads or, you know, just collect data for um, environmental education. And then finally, the, the sort of education thing. So a lot of times when people think of a naturalist, they think it's, you know, going on a, a nature hike and, and learning about the natural world. So there are naturalists at the Arboretum who take people around. There are mm-hmm. naturalists at um, the Pheasant Branch Conservancy where I work who, you know, lead field trips and, you know, just various, you know, different activities where there's these people doing volunteer work. Mm-hmm. And it's it's I think the mission is to sort of encourage more and more people to do this. So, like I said, the Wisconsin Master Naturalist Program has been around for this is its 10, 10 year anniversary. Mm-hmm. So it started in 2013. And since then, they've they've trained over a thousand naturalists throughout the state and and these naturalists kind of record their hours so the expectation is that they do at least 40 hours of work every year and and 8 hours of work of of advanced training mm-hmm. so they they you know keep learning because there's so much to learn right and it's hard to I mean I have a degree in atmospheric sciences but that doesn't you know so I have a lot to do when right. it comes to botany <laughs> and birds and mm-hmm. mammals and mm-hmm. toads so, you know, there's so much, it's just like a lifelong kind of learning kind of thing. And so the naturalists sort of log their hours, they do their training. And I think that we've we've put in, according to the extension office, we've, you know, hundreds of thousands of hours. Right, right. And so that's kind of how I got into this is mm-hmm. I took one of the trainings um, back in 2018, so not too long ago. Um, but I, I took this training and it was just sort of transformative just you know opened up a lot of opportunities it was just really just really interesting stuff right. and sort of since then it's kind of been my my north star It's sure. just kind of guided everywhere i've gone sure. since then
0: and you and i actually met for the first time up at the um, mounds view grassland mm-hmm. in blue mounds when i did a, a story on you were presenting about nighttime pollinators mm-hmm. um and that was um as your role in a, as a Wisconsin na- Master Naturalist, but also working with the Prairie Enthusiasts, right? So can you tell me a little bit about your work with the Prairie Enthusiasts?
2: Yeah, so each... The, the Master Naturalist program kind of depends on these different organizations to actually offer the training. So the the Extension Office doesn't have instructors. That mm-hmm. the, the, they do is they train instructors from different organizations to give these trainings. So the, it's this really interesting kind of partnership. So the Nat Master Naturalist program, so for instance, in the Dane County area, right, you can you can do a training at uh, the UW Arboretum. You could uh, do a training with a, a group called the Friends of Urban Nature, which is a mm-hmm. lot of fun. Uh, you could do a training with the Pheasant Branch Conservancy. And then, and then what I ended up doing was this training with the prairie enthusiasts. Right. And I didn't even know, they weren't even on my radar, right, yeah. that, that um, I didn't even know who they were, mm-hmm. but they were doing this training and it kind of fit my schedule. And so I drove out to Barneveld, um, and there was this beautiful 800-acre prairie with this red barn, and just and just all kinds of just super enthusiastic people who are just really into uh, grassland restoration, mm-hmm. oak savanna, and and prairie. And they, you know, I did my training, and I learned all this stuff about prairies and and prairie birds. That mm-hmm. ended up being like a, a, a really neat thing. And then sure. and then. Prairie insects, right? Uh, right. And I ended up learning about these moths and this this whole thing that you could like go out in the middle of the night and shine a black light on a sheet, and moths will come, and (laughs) you can take pictures, and you can and 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 it turns out it's like scientifically important too, right? Because there there are species on the Wisconsin heritage species list that if you can find them on your property that's big news, right? Yeah. And, and it's good for restoration efforts and it's good for writing grants. And so I just kind of fell into this, you know, here's this guy, PhD in philosophy and, and a bachelor's in meteorology, who's just <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere uh, taking pictures of moths. But it right. ended up being, you know, just, you know, just one of the things that you could get into as, as Wisconsin Master Naturalist, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't require sort of a specialized expertise, mm-hmm. um, just sort of, you know, enough that you're not you know, making things worse, right? right <laughs> you are right. uh, actively contributing to some, uh, you know, beneficial mm-hmm. aspect mm-hmm. of land restoration.
0: Right, right. And as we discovered, um, that nighttime pollinator moth thing is really gets kids engaged with the land too. Yeah. It's a really exciting thing for kids to kind of turn onto at an early age and get them tied into something local.
2: It is. And it's nice for a lot of these organizations, too. They're always looking for more, you know, volunteers, right? Mm -hmm. Because we don't have paid staff. And so the more interest that we can kind of generate, uh, especially at sort of a younger age, then the the better off we kind of are in terms of the sustainability of the organization Mm -hmm. and the long term goals that that organization has. So the Prairie Enthusiast, for instance, their mission is restoration of prairie and oak 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 savannah mm-hmm. and oak savannah is one of the most you know back in the day there, in you know before settlement um there was i think 5.5 million acres of oak mm. savannah and we're down to less than a thousand mm. um so i think doing the math it's like point zero one percent so you know this organization is their mission is to kind of bring back these right. these uh this you know lost land
0: ecosystem yeah so um that's a great um place to we'll segue into that when we come back from our pledge break because you are currently researching how climate change which is clearly a now issue we're mm-hmm. kind of in the middle of it um is going to change the best practices for managing and restoring those tall grass prairies and oak savanna right mm. so so yeah so Amy hello hello again Um, you're listening to the perpetual motion machine I'm your host Katherine Garvins I'm here with Amy and we are here to ask for your support during the WORT fall pledge drive Um, Amy how are we doing so far have we
1: (laughs) well I have not received a pledge yet okay means that someone needs to call in now and make our night 608-256-2001 or pledge online plenty of ways to give to WORT and support the fascinating show that you're hearing right now. I know many of you out there are just as much of fans of the oak savannah and the moths and pollinators that I am. I'm really enjoying listening to this show and all of the natural treasures that we have here in Wisconsin and all of the ways that those are being supported as the role of master naturalist. It's just such an interesting thing to hear about as mm-hmm. you know a career choice as a role. And if you would like to support our natural treasure here at <laughs> WORT, our radio station does so much for the community and provides so much unique information and ways of valuing, uh, just like the show that you're hearing right now, call in 256-2001, 608-256-2001, or pledge online.
0: Wortfm.org. Okay, thank you. And we do have some great thank you gifts for you as well. Um, we know that you uh, pledge your support to, to WRT because you love our station, but we also like to give you a little something back. Um, and uh, if you uh, you can see those online, I believe. And. Um,
1: draw your attention to our WORT patch at the $35 Thank level you. because that is perfect for your background, your backpack as you are hiking <laughs> around in all of our beautiful natural areas and learning about our nighttime pollinators.
0: Right, so give us a call at 608-256-2001 or online at wrtfm.org. Um, you are listening to the Perpetual Notion Machine. Um, I am here with my guest, Tim Fanzel, um, and we are talking about... Um, how uh, climate change may impact how tall grass, prairie, and oak savanna are managed um, in Wisconsin. So, uh, Tim, you're currently researching how climate change may impact these practices. Uh, What are your findings so far?
2: Well, so a little bit of background on grassland management. So most of what we do in terms of keeping a grassland... A grassland is through prescribed burns. Mm. So, uh, grassland, oak savanna, uh, tall grass prairie—these are you know fire-dependent ecosystems, and they exist through disturbance. So, if they're not disturbed in some way, um, be it fire or some other you know grazing or some other thing, mm. then eventually they will progress to, uh, you know, more woody species will sort of build in and eventually sort of trees will come. And that's kind of what we've seen. Um, So when Europeans kind of moved in, um, the prairies that didn't get turned into fields, into agricultural sort of use, uh, basically what happened is we just did fire suppression. And a lot of these oak savanna just, you know, other sort of woodland species kind of just kind of grew in in the cracks and we lost a lot of those, um, th- that acres, right? Mm-hmm. just became degraded uh, woodland. And so we, we need to you know, burn, essentially, mm-hmm. in order to uh, keep these ecosystems intact. And so one of the things that's happening with climate change in, in our neck of the woods, and this comes through you know, various sort of reports, but the one that I focused uh, primarily on is the Wisconsin um, climate change impacts report or Wisconsin. There's an I, another i in there, so okay. WICCI. <laughs> okay. And uh, the broad strokes kind of answer to how how have things kind of been trending is that Wisconsin has been getting warmer mm-hmm. and wetter, and not kind of universally. I mean, the climate is is tricky when it comes to. You know where is it getting wetter, and when is it getting wetter, and you know how's it getting warmer, and when is it getting war- warmer? So we're not really seeing sort of warmer summers, um, and we're not really seeing sort of uh, wetter summers. What we're seeing is is kind of the biggest changes in the winter. So our winter lows are a lot warmer, and and our winters are a little bit more wet than usual. And what that kind of means is when we think of, you know, just the the year in the life of a prairie, we need to think of, well, the winters are usually when the prairie goes to sleep, right? Mm-hmm. And it goes in its nesses, And when things start to pick up again, when it greens up, and of course, if things are getting warmer, it's going to green up earlier. Right. Um, that's usually when we go in with their burns, right? We wait for, um, you know, the snow to retreat. And we have, uh, you know, we have this brush we have the stuff that's kind of left over from the previous year and if we really want to sort of encourage new growth we really want to encourage a healthy ecosystem we need to get in there and sort of burn Mm -hmm. and one of the issues is that well how is this going to affect when we can burn right is this because typically it is a early spring kind of thing and it is usually when we try to you know get our burns in sometimes if if we don't we'll we'll shoot for a, a, a fall burn um but usually that window is is in early spring. And so the question is, is well, if it's getting wetter and if it's getting warmer, how does that shift our window? And you know, does that make it more difficult for us to burn? Does it make it easier for us to burn? Right. That you know, that mm-hmm. would be a good thing. And that's still kind of a black box, right? We're still kind of figuring things out. We we sort of know the broad strokes, but one of one of the things is 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 we're we're focused in, in on that kind of window, that mm-hmm. early spring window. Um, but there are other things that kind of are playing sort of roles. So with with these, so I'll talk about, about pre- precipitation here real quick. Sure. With precipitation, we're seeing in southern Wisconsin, we're seeing, you know, about sort of three inches more, four inches more of rain than we did 100 years ago. And we're like, okay, well, that's interesting. Well, another thing that's interesting is we're not actually seeing more days of rain. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, and especially in the sort of the southern states like Illinois and Wisconsin, uh, they're actually seeing fewer days of rain. So it's 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 raining less in terms of days when it rains, but you're having more precipitation right. overall. So what that turns out to be is you're having enhanced rainstorms, right? You're having more days where you have rain of more than an inch a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of adding this extra wrinkle, and the most kind of problematic element to everybody's backyard, and and sure. it's not just sort of prairie restoration folk, right. um, but just the the the, the issue of, of flooding. Mm-hmm. Right, flooding is becoming more of a threat. I don't know if any of y'all remember 2018 when we had you know a foot of rain uh, fall, you know, especially in the western part of mm-hmm. of Madison and Middleton, yeah. and it did billions of dollars of damage. And so if you had a restoration project going on there, that just got wiped clean. Mm. And and so (laughs) we're having this kind of situation where what we used to say is like a thousand year flood, right, or a hundred year flood, is now looking just trend lines, right? We're not even talking about the future yet. We're just saying, you know, this is where we're at, how things have changed so far. Um, that we're into, in not to a hundred years or a thousand years, we're into like decades, right? Mm-hmm. And and yeah. and every other year kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so that kind of puts us on, you know, well, wh- which of our properties are are flood prone? Which of our, uh, you know, is there, you know, so w- one thing that really helps with flooding is grassland. Sure. Uh, or, excuse me, wetland preservation and also grassland, but but even more. Sort of wetland. So mm. if you have wetland on your property, um, then it becomes even more kind of important, right. right, to say, like, well, let's get that wetland going such that it, if we do have some big flooding, we can kind of mitigate that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what, you know, organizations like the Prairie Enthusiasts do or any organization that's doing restoration, like Pheasant you know, uh, Branch Conservancy or the Arboretum, or, I mean, there's lots of different organizations that have to kind of think this way. Uh, they, can, they need to think more about Flooding, they need to think more about uh, flooding control. And they, and I think they need to think more about education of just, you know, this is where we're at. This isn't, you know, 50 years in the future. This isn't 100 years in the future. This right. is sort of right now. And there's no amount of, you know, buying an electric car that's going to sort of change that fact um, that, you know, here's where we're at. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, it's going to happen again. We're going to have another flood. We're going to, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to have these sort of rain events. And, you know, things are different than they used to be. And so, you know, planning for the future is, is mm-hmm. what we need to do.
0: So, so what are what are we looking at, or what are you, um, what does the research show, are like short and long term solutions around this, um, like with the burning,
2: mm-hmm. for
0: example, um, and and you you said that you know these these landscapes need to be disturbed. Mm-hmm. Is there another, is is there another way they could be, dis- I mean, no grazing, <laughs> yeah, for yeah. example, but it, but is there another kind of realistic way that they could be disturbed with in besides burning that might help um, with this process?
2: Yeah, I think that's kind of what we need to sort of think about right, is, right. is number one, is this going to be something that we can't manage anymore in, mm-hmm. the, in the traditional way, right? Is this, so Besides just sort of more rain and maybe getting rained out, right? There's just the issue of this is a climate that's more conducive to, to woody plants. Right? right? It's just not as mm-hmm. as conducive to grasslands as it used to be, mm. especially if we're not having if we're having a wetter winter or a or a warmer winter, that might shift the climate math right, <laughs> of all right. this sort of stuff. And so, if you want to maintain an oak savannah right if you and if you if you think it's important to kind of have this critically endangered sort of ecosystem right. to persist in the face of these sort of climate sort of changes then it, it might mean more burns right mm-hmm. it might mean that you have to burn at different times mm-hmm. but yeah it might mean other kind of disturbance uh, management practices that, that maybe aren't the the way it used to be right it, yeah. you know it wasn't how um, you know the indigenous uh, folk used to used mm-hmm. to manage their grassland but you know maybe it's something that we need to sort of think about so like grazing right. or even mowing right yeah. uh, you know those are ways of disturbing the land and and keeping uh, things from you know what we call woody encroachments right mm-hmm. keeping the the yucky stuff from from getting in the town mm-hmm. and uh, so definitely a, a thing and again, we're not there yet, right? We, we still seem to be managing pretty well with our burning practices mm-hmm. as, as it is, but it, it just seems like as we, again, this is the other sort of element as we kind of project into the future. Are things turning around? Not really, right? right. They seem to be, um, you know, almost. keep on going. Yeah, and in yeah. some scenarios, may, maybe even sort of getting worse, mm-hmm. right? So right now we're looking at, if if you want to get just kind of a snapshot of what our you know, 50 years in the future, just, you know, given sort of current trends, what our climate would look like, look at the southern Illinois. Right. So, you know, southern Illinois has a much different sort of climate than, than we have now. Their winters are much more mild, right? They have, uh, you, you know, they don't have snow that sort of stick, sticks around as long as, as we have now. Mm-hmm. But 50 years in the future, if you know, the trend continues as it as it's, seems to be doing mm-hmm. unabated, uh, then... Southern Illinois is our, is our target. And so we need to think of like, well, how do they do things down there? Right. Are they able to sort of manage, Mm. uh, grassland, uh, and other fire dependent ecosystems? Does it require, uh, different kinds of management practices in order to, to get to it? And if so, you know, can we import it up here? Is it something that makes sense, um, Mm -hmm. for us? So, it's yeah. a tough question. As much know.
0: as, uh, no offense to Southern Illinois, but I can't think of one person I know who wants to give up our beautiful uh, beautiful landscape that yeah. we have here in Wisconsin. So it's really important work. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, what's next for your research? And I guess are, are some of these findings and practices transferable to private land or even mm. homeowners who have uh, you know, maybe a smaller amount of acreage, you know, what, mm-hmm. what can they do um, to help with this challenge?
2: Yeah. Well, I think, so first thing, just next steps is I just more data, right? Just yeah, we, yeah. we need to kind of look at, and some of this research is being done, but it's still kind of in sort of a nascent stage, mm-hmm. but uh, we're just kind of looking at it. It's like, well, what, how many burn days are we losing right or how many burn days are we getting gaining depending on right. on, the, on the season right you know for a different location let's just go and mine the data okay. that we already have right, right. and just you know kind of see what the trend line looks like is there a trend line i mean there are some obvious winter trends that uh we do know about like the um like the ice out earlier ice out right, right? so uh, the mendota monona lakes um you know i think uh, Mm-hmm. Somebody will have to sort of look this up. Just oh to, no, of course. But it's—I think it's—I think it's—we've lost like 20 days of ice yeah. Yeah. Uh, over the past sort of 50 years. So right. it's 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 something that's sort of there, and we just need to kind of translate that to, you know, management sort of mm-hmm. you know, specific management stuff. Mm-hmm. But in terms of being a a private landowner, right. I think that one of the things we need to think seriously about is: well, do you have? First of all, do you have good land, right? I mean, do you have uh, you know, degraded oak savanna on your property. Uh, do you have, you know, what used to be, you know, maybe you have some farmland that, mm-hmm. that used to be a prairie and maybe you're not using that pra- farmland anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time for it to be a pristine prairie. Mm-hmm. And, um, or even more, inter- you know, for the issue of flooding and, and things like that, do you have wetland? Mm-hmm. And, uh, or is there, can you put in some wetland? So one thing, so if you're in an urban environment, Uh, One thing that you should think seriously about is a rain garden. Right. Um, That you know these are things that they're immensely beneficial uh, when it comes to flood mitigation and water quality. Mm -hmm. Right. So not even sort of we don't even need to talk about climate change um, to talk about how awesome rain gardens are because you can put in, you know, they're they're prairie species. um, They're pretty easy to sort of put in. They're fun to maintain, and and they've got you get cool bugs right uh, <laughs> the best get, part yeah, you get uh, <laughs> butterflies and moths and bees yeah.
0: and those can uh, be put in anywhere i mean urban yeah, areas so small patches yeah. in your front lawn anything yeah too. my
2: daughter's school has a yeah. really nice uh, yeah. rain garden that they just put in and and even the city has mm-hmm. has done some work and and you know when they kind of redo uh Uh, a road that they put in a rain garden. So I think those things, even if you don't have a lot of land, Mm -hmm. um, those are things that that would really help. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would say my, you know, one takeaway would be rain gardens, right? Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Easy for everybody to do. Yeah, yeah. Great, excellent. I think we have, did we have some pledges come in, Amy? Absolutely. We sure do. Hey. So
1: this pledge is in honor of Baby Violet. And I think I know this Baby Violet. And I'm very excited because <laughs> if it's the Baby Violet, I'm thinking of it as the yes. most charming baby. So, <laughs> folks, thank you so much um, for this pledge and in support of Baby Violet. And our show here, Perpetual Notion Machine. Call in now to join this pleasure: 608 256 2001 and support community radio. So I just keep thinking about the the concept of um, existing through disturbance, and I really I feel like <laughs> W O R T has existed through disturbance and disturbing the status quo for many decades now. And I'm grateful Mm -hmm. for it. I'm grateful for all of the ways that I have been informed and entertained from the station, uh, disturbing the status quo and, uh, (laughs) you know, shifting how we see things and what we value here in our community. So uh, pledge now to support the station and the kind of information you are hearing and the ways of valuing that you get to engage in through uh, shows just like this, 608-256-2001.
0: Or online at wrtfm.org. Um, so uh, I want to take a moment here uh, to thank our guest, uh, Tim Fonzel. Uh He's a Wisconsin master naturalist who also works with uh, prairie enthusiasts. Oh, we got another pledge. Excellent. We are thrilled to thank Anonymous. Uh, we have another pleasure.
1: So thank you so much. This pledge is generously donating to WORT um, and likes Mel and Floyd, Back to the Country, and Tropical Rhythms. Excellent. And just wanted to let everyone know it's a very interesting program tonight. And this pledge was just in the Pheasant Branch area today. Keep up the good work.
0: Oh, thank you, Anonymous. That's great to hear. To Tim, too, right? Yeah. Keep up the good work. Absolutely. So thank you very much. Um, so uh i guess in our closing moments here i'd like to thank our donors i'd like to thank amy for uh helping me fundraise this evening she's amazing and of course tim thank you for um being here and for the work you do and i'd i'd love to have you back for further conversations um as your research progresses so
2: great thanks Uh love thanks, being Tim.
0: here okay excellent um, thanks also to Emmett who is engineering for me this evening and to Charlie our news director um, up next is Radio Literature with Novin Hinton uh, you've been listening to listener supported community radio on WORT thanks for listening and have a good evening